It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Listening to Dr. Rob White with the AULC Ministries. Scan the QR code to visit our website at AULC.us and find us on Roku, Amazon Fire TV, and TalkShoe. The following presentation is from a new series from Dr. Rob White called Blast from the Past. In this series, Dr. Rob will feature past sermons that were recorded live. We hope you enjoy this new series. Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. Happy Father's Day to all you fathers. Well, thank you. Appreciate that. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. And then we'll get started with service. If you join me, please. Heavenly Father, we gather again today as a faith community to celebrate a day that we come together to appreciate, to honor our fathers. Whether they're our biological fathers, whether they are our stepfathers, whoever is a dad to us. And we honor you too, Lord. We come to praise and to worship you on this day. Not only one day a year, but we praise and worship you each and every day. And we just ask, Lord, that you be with those that couldn't make it today due to illness, due to not feeling well, due to being in the hospital or just getting out of the hospital and just... Just be with us, Lord. Be with them. Put your loving arms around them, your healing hands on them, and get them back on their feet again. And whatever your will is, your will be done. And we ask as we get into your lesson today that we hear your voice. We hear you speak to us. Tell us what you want us to know. We ask this as we come to you with the confidence of children, praying the prayer that you taught us to pray so long ago. As we pray, our Father, which art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our gospel lesson today comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 15, verses 1 to 3, and then 11 to 32. All the tax collectors and sinners were approaching to listen to him. And the Pharisees and scribes were complaining, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. He said, Also a man has two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate I have coming to me. So he distributed the assets to them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered together all he had and traveled to a distant country where he squandered his estate in foolish living. 
After he had spent everything, a severe famine struck that country, and he had nothing. Then he went to work for one of the citizens of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to eat his fill from the carob pods that the pigs were eating, but no one would give him any. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have more than enough food, and here I am dying of hunger? I'll get up, I'll go to my father, and I'll say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me one of your hired hands. So he got up and he went to his father. And while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran, threw his arms around his neck, and he kissed him. The son said to his father, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father told his slaves, Quick, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Then bring the fatted calf and slaughter it, and let's celebrate with a feast. Because this son of mine was dead and is alive again, he was lost and now is found. So they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field, and he came near the house. He heard music and dancing. So he summoned one of the servants and asked what these things meant. Your brother is here, he told him, and your father has slaughtered the fatted calf because he has had him back safe and sound. Then he became angry and didn't want to go in, so his father came out and pleaded with him. But he replied to his father, Look, I have been slaving many years for you, and I have never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when his son, the son of yours, came, who has devoured your assets with prostitutes, you slaughtered the fatted calf for him. Son, he said to him, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we have to celebrate and rejoice, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost, and now he is found. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. Let's open in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come reading your words today and seeing that on this Father's Day, we've got a wonderful message again to deliver and to hear. And we just ask, Lord, as we go through this, that those of us that need to hear this message will hear it. And those of us that can hear the message can maybe become one of these characters or they can look upon that character and say, that's me. We just ask that you be with us, Lord, as we go through our lesson today. Open our eyes, our ears, our hearts, and our minds to what you have to show us and tell us. We ask this in your son Jesus' precious name. Amen. Now, most everyone knows what a boomerang is, right? You know, Australians have them. They're a kind of a wing-shaped thing, and you throw it, and then it usually circles around and comes back. And that's the cool thing about a boomerang. And if you throw it right, it always comes back. Now, it's a curved piece of wood, and you would think that anything that you throw is just going to go plop, that's usually what happens to me when I throw something, like a baseball. But you throw it right, it sails around. Because of the aerodynamic properties, it's like an airplane wing that it's designed. And so you could say this boomerang is the first heavier-than-air flying object that was created by a human. It re revolves so rapidly that it gets lift and then it curves around and it comes back to the thrower. Now there's all sorts of fun that can be had with boomerangs, but they're dangerous too. If you don't have the right skill, 
you can get hurt or you can hurt someone. But there's even competitions around the world where people throw these boomerangs and see how far they can throw them and how far they can get them to come back to them. I think that's pretty neat. The outstanding thing about a boomerang, though, it always comes back. Jesus tells us today about an idea of coming back. He tells a story of a man who had two sons. He divided his property among them. And the younger son took what dad had given him and went off and squandered it all. He blew the lot. He went to a distant country and did that. And then he ran out of money. And when his partying was over, he was out of food and he was hungry. So he goes to work for one of the people of the country. Now, they probably thought it was a big teehee because this boy was probably a Jew. And so he has him feeding pigs. They don't do anything with pigs. The Jews don't. So the younger son, he gets hungry. He decides, you know what? I'm going to go back and I'm going to tell my dad, I'm sorry. Now, I'm no longer your son, but make me a higher hand. At least I'll have three hots in a cot and I'll be able to be fed and make a little money and I'll be all right. He decides that he's going to have his father forgive him. And this lesson that we can learn from this is that even though we sin or we make a big mistake, we can always come back to our Heavenly Father. We can ask for forgiveness and we'll get it. We can also go to people that we hurt. We tell them that we're sorry and we try to make things better. And we try to curve our life just like that boomerang. So it'll turn around and it'll come back. And then we say we're sorry, and we mean it, and life goes on then. Now, in Deuteronomy 21.17, it specifies that when a father dies, and he has a number of sons, that the firstborn son gets a double portion of the inheritance. The firstborn son also gets most of the assets, most of the property, the slaves, the cattle, and all this stuff. Each son under that gets half of the, the inheritance. So if there are two sons, like in our story, the, the property is divided into three portions. 67% goes, or two properties, two, two parts of this, go to the first son. The third, 33% goes to the younger son. If there are three sons and it's divided, 50% goes to the first son, 9% goes to the other two sons, etc. and so on. And it goes on down. Uh, daughters usually get the raw end of the deal because they don't get anything um, because they're expected when they get married to get a dowry. Now, obviously, the percentage to be inherited by any son is diminished if you have other siblings ahead of you. So the more you have that are older than you, the less you're going to get when dad dies. Typically, just like today, the sons would inherit the property upon the dad's death. So in our lesson today, the younger son he comes to his dad and he says, I want my inheritance now. He's pretty much telling his dad, I want you to drop dead. You're dead to me. Give me what is coming to me. Now, dad could have said, 
go back and or I'm going to take you behind the woodshed or just go away. But instead, dad says, okay. So he splits everything up just like he was dead. And the older son starts taking care of dad. The younger son goes off and starts blowing all the money. Basically, he's dead to his dad. When he goes to another country, though, a far distant country, the, the lesson tells us, dad doesn't know if the son is alive anymore. Now, they didn't have telephones and newspapers and internet and email and Instagram and Twitter and all that back then. So when the son went off, blowing all of his money, dad assumed he was dead because he didn't hear anything from him, didn't see him anymore. He assumed he was dead. So dad would have went through the ritual grieving process of never seeing his son again and all. The older son would have went on and to running the farm, taking care of the business, whatever, and taking care of dad in his old age. Now, the younger son is guilty of a lot of things. He's assuming the initiative that belongs to his father. In other words, his father should have passed on first, but he's assuming that if I treat him like he's dead, I'm going to get what I want now. He's ignoring the obligation to take care of his parents in their old age. And he's also breaking up the family relationship by turning around and leaving. In that day, that kind of conduct was shameful. A father would have been shamed in public to have raised a son like that. They probably lived in a small town, and the father probably was wealthy or well-off, was known in the town. When this happened, he would have been going out in public and he would have been shamed because everyone, you know how it is, and you're in a small place, word gets around really, really fast. That's what would have happened. He would have been embarrassed to go out in public because knowing that his son had treated him this way. And so the, the father, he does this, he decides, I'm going to live with my decision. Now, the elder son could have declined the inheritance. He could have said, no, I'm not treating you as though you're dead. But since the younger son wanted the inheritance and the father decided to do it, he had to go ahead and give it to the older son. The older son didn't have to accept it. He could have put it away and let dad still run things and all. But that's not the way it happened in their culture. So he fails to do this, but he decides, I'm going to go ahead with it. Now Jesus starts out when he's talking to the Pharisees here. A certain man had two sons. Now when we hear this story start to be told, we start to perk up a little bit because everyone has heard the story, the parable of the prodigal son. And those of us that have heard it, we're glad to always hear it again because it's got a happy ending to it. Those who have not heard it, they're happy once they hear it. Now, a certain man had two sons, and indeed, Jesus tells a story about this man and his two sons. Now, most people, after we hear about what happened to the young son and he goes off and squanders it, we shut down, we're done, the story's over for us at that point. Because the young son, the prodigal son here, he's riotous, he's wasted the old man's money, 
And Jesus even said it was too riotous living. Jesus doesn't tell what riotous living in those days meant. We can kind of guess, though. If you got a lot of money all of a sudden and uh, you, you know, you go out, you want to blow it. You want to do something. There's plenty of riotous living that goes on in each one of our lives, too. Uh, if you want to see riotous living, though, just turn on the TV. There's plenty of that on there, too. Now, this parable we call the parable of the prodigal son because the first son was prodigal or he was wasteful. And with his dad's money, the word prodigal does not mean bad. A lot of people think that the parable of the prodigal son means the parable of the bad son. And that's not what it means. It also means generous. So you could say that the father was prodigal as well because he was generous in giving in his money to the sons. So, but it means wasteful here. The younger son takes his father's money. He's wasting it. It's a bad thing to do. He comes to his senses, though, one day. He finds himself up to his eyeballs in pig filth. I don't know what that's like. I can imagine, but I don't know what that would be like. Nearly starving. Now, you know you've got to be really bad off if you look at the pig slop and you go, that looks good. Uh, I can't imagine that. I've never been that hungry. But he comes to his sense and he says, you know, this is nuts. Here I am in pig filth, wanting to eat what the pigs are eating. I can do better at my father's house. His hired hands live better than I do. So he lays down his pitchfork and he takes off and heads back home for the long road back home. And hoping that his dad will give him a job as a hired hand. Give him some clean clothes, let him have a bath, feed him, maybe a place to sleep. The younger son, of course, he didn't deserve any of these. He knew he didn't deserve it at all. But he devised this plan. He says, I'm going to begin with an apology. Then I'm going to ask for an opportunity at the very last second to become a hired hand, a day laborer, someone that get a little bit of money. I'll get a place to sleep, something to eat. My, my dad's a good dad. He'll take care of me. I'm never going to be a son again. I can live with that. He hopes that dad will forgive and forget. And he just hopes that he forgets how bad that he wasted his money and all. And we all know the rest of the story. The father sees him for a long way down the road, goes running up to him, kisses him and hugs him and all. And again, in those days, the father would never run. The father would have walked to him and he wouldn't have kissed him in public. He wouldn't have shown any public affection whatsoever because that would have been an embarrassment again on him. But he didn't care about that. He seen his son who was dead. He's now alive. He was lost. He's now found. He ran to meet him and there was joy in his heart. He didn't even give the son a chance to apologize. Instead, he tells his servants, bring the finest robe, bring a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. He was telling him, you are my son. The robe would have meant that he was part of a wealthy family. The ring on the finger would be like a signet ring that kings would use to, to sign documents and, on, and wax and all. And the sandals, only the slaves were barefoot. If you were a slave, you didn't wear sandals. 
He put sandals on his bare feet. You are not a slave, he's telling his son. We know from our lesson here that it means when we're bad, even if we're really, really bad, God still loves us. And even when we do terrible things, God watches out for us, praying that we'll return. And then when we return, all that bad stuff's gone. We're back to being his son or his daughter again. And that's great news. And it's all true. But then Jesus tells another story. He tells two parables here to these Pharisees that are getting all over him about eating with sinners and taking up with sinners and, and bad people and like that. So Jesus tells a second story. Now keep in mind, he started out with a certain man had two sons. So we know about the prodigal son, the one that was wasteful, that went off and did bad things. But what about the other son? There's a great story with the, the young son. And so why should Jesus dilute the story down and take away such a happy ending by talking about the older son? <clears throat> a lot of times, preachers don't know when to quit. They don't know when to shut up and go on. And Jesus kind of had this problem dealing with the Pharisees. He wanted to continue preaching. He wanted to continue telling them because they hadn't got it yet. Jesus couldn't stop with just one parable here. The parable of prodigal son because that was the appetizer to his main course, to what he was telling the Pharisees. What was the main course? Well, the second story, of course. The second story is about the elder son. That evening, the elder son comes home from the fields. He finds a party in progress. This isn't right. He's hearing music, dancing and all. He grabs one of the servants and goes, what's going on? Then he finds out that his younger brother, had, who had left and squandered everything, has come home. Well, the older son, he hits the roof. He refuses. He throws a tantrum. Refuses to go inside. We've all had kids that way. He stood outside and he sulked. He had figured this brother had become a public embarrassment. And now the older son is becoming a public embarrassment. He's throwing a tantrum outside the front door. And by all rights, dad should have come out as soon as he seen his older son doing this, took him out behind the woodshed, give him a few whacks, and said, now straighten up and go in and enjoy the party. The younger son had done badly, of course, but the elder son was not an improvement over the younger son at this point. Both sons had just now succeeded to embarrass their father. Both sons had wounded their father. And the father came outside and greeted each one of them with joy. He greeted the younger son with joy, and then at first he greeted the elder son with sorrow, letting him know how disappointed he was. The elder son responds in like, and he says, Father, listen. Did you, your, did you talk to your dad that way? I didn't. I would have been behind the woodshed again if I had told dad, listen. Listen to what I'm saying. Instead, he says, listen. I've been with you all of these years. I've slaved for you. I never disobeyed an order from you. 
You never even gave me a goat so I could celebrate with my friends. I've served you all these many years. The poor man had been his father's son for decades, but he felt it was a slave. He was a slave. That's how he felt about his position in life. He says, I've never disobeyed a commandment of yours. And that was a lie because the older son just now had disobeyed his father by refusing to go inside and enjoy the party. He says, you never gave me a goat that I can celebrate with my friends. Well, now the truth comes out. He really just wanted to have a party with his friends. Did he ever ask his dad? Probably not. Is he happy his brother, who was dead, is alive again? No. He's worried about himself. Brother gets a party. Why can't I have a party? Listen to what the father's response is at the end of the story here. He says, son, you are always with me. And all that is mine is yours, but it's appropriate to celebrate and be glad for your brother was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Now Jesus tells these two stories together, the story of the younger son and the story of the older son in response to the grumbling of the Pharisees and the scribes, that is grumbling about Jesus eating and dealing with sinners. Jesus' point was there are two kinds of sinners. There are those who understand that, yes, they are sinners. And then there are those that don't understand that they're sinners. God loves both kinds. He'll come out and He'll greet both kinds. He'll try to save both kinds. But those who know they need saving, know that. Those who don't know they need saving don't know that they're even in trouble. The problem was the scribes and the Pharisees, just like the elder brother, and the hard-paying tax papers and uh, tax people payers and the whole host of people are among those that don't understand that they're sinners too, and that they need saving. They work hard. They keep the nose clean. They pay their taxes. They raise their kids. They go to church. Well, what can go wrong? In a world full of welfare moms and drug addicts and terrorists and hardworking folk shining pretty, well, a lot can go wrong. But think about this for a moment. What about the elder son? A young man who kept score and always found fault. How much fun do you think it would be to have him hanging around? Do you think it's any easier for the father to love the younger son or to love the older son. I don't think that any father can really pinpoint that down, but I think the younger son, as flawed as he was, was easier to love, although the elder son didn't make it very easy to love him. The father loved the elder son anyway, just like he loves the younger prodigal son. And he loves you and me anyway, no matter what we do. The point of these stories is all because God loves each one of us. He loves you, he loves me, he loves the town drunk, in spite of what we are and who we are, not because of what we are. The point of these stories is none of us. You can be a preacher, an elder, a deacon, a Sunday school teacher. No one has a specific claim on our heavenly inheritance. Any inheritance 
that we might receive a strictly a gift from God, our Heavenly Father. And of course, God being our Father, He will decide when we get our inheritance. Some of us work hard. Some of us work less hard. But that's not the point. God loves us and wants to bring us to the celebration anyway, deserving or not. Because the bottom line is, none of us deserves an invitation to the party. None of us. But God wants us there anyway. And that's the good news. The good news is for the big spender, the hard drinker, the prostitute-loving younger son, it's good news for this humorless, fault-finding, disobedient elder son, and it's good news for us. Whether we are like the younger son or the stiff-necked, stubborn elder son, it doesn't matter what our sins are. God loves us anyway. But of course, we have to be willing to come home. We've got to be willing to turn around and come back, to walk through that door, to join the celebration. If we refuse to rub elbows with tax collectors and sinners and with drunks and ne'er-do-wells and with people for whom that there just doesn't seem to be much hope, then there's not much hope for us either. There are sinners in the church and there will be sinners in heaven. The elder brothers like us better get used to it because God loves to be generous even to those who don't deserve His generosity. That's our Lord's message for this Lord's Day and our happy Father's Day message. So go out and be a blessing this week. And I hope that you got a blessing out of this. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Thank you so much for your words, for the, the time that you spend looking for us, even though we're on a far distant way, way out of the way. And you continue to scan the horizon for us and to wait for us to come home. And Father, sometimes we don't want to come home. We don't feel we're worthy. But through our lesson today, we see that you're going to love us anyway and you're going to greet us. You're going to greet us with a hug and a kiss and, and put sandals on our feet and clean us up and still call us your son or your daughter. And we thank you for that, Lord. So we just ask as we go out this week that you be with each one of us, whether we're fathers or not, because we can identify with the younger son or we can identify with the older son or maybe we can identify with the father. Whatever it is, Lord, we ask that you will help us to do that and remember this lesson. We ask this in your son Jesus' precious name. Amen. Go out this week, be a blessing and be blessed because the more you're a blessing, the more you will be blessed. Thank you all for coming. We'll see you all next week. And again, happy Father's Day. Well, tell all fathers, of course. <laughs> Thank you for watching and listening to Dr. Rob White with the AULC Ministries. Athens Universal Life Church is a not-for-profit 501c3 organization. This production is an AULC Studios video production. Copyright 2012 to 2023. All rights reserved. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. 
Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.